Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning again, everybody. Let me join in and make that nine of us clapping, okay? What a great morning it is. Well, it's good to have you with us. If it's your first time here, we hope it's not your last time here with us. We're just glad to have you here. You could be anywhere else this morning, but you're here, so we're grateful for that. Uh, my name is Jim Del Campo. If you're visiting with us today, I'm the senior pastor here, and um, very blessed to be that. Now, we're in this series, uh, Making Better Decisions So We Don't Have All the Regrets in Life. And the goal is to diminish the amount of bad decisions that we make in life because we all have our own horror stories of bad decisions. Amen to that one? And so we want to diminish that. But before I get into this, this is our, our fourth week in this series. Next Sunday is Father's Day, and uh, I have a message on the essentials of a father because I believe very strongly that fathers are maybe the most essential piece of the nuclear family. Amen? And nuclear is being destroyed these days, this nuclear family. And so we believe the scriptures very strongly that the nuclear family is what it is. Amen? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to honor dads next week. And so make sure you bring your dads, granddads out here. We'll have a really good time. Um, by way of just know, uh, knowing this, uh, the life of Nehemiah, uh, we're going to finish it up this week. Uh, we skipped last week for the VBS. By the way, thank you all of you who helped out in our vacation Bible school this week. It was a great time. It was highly successful. Thank you for serving. You ministered to so many kids. It was great. Um, but we're going to finish this week, Women on Monday Night, right here. And the men, you will be coming to my house on Tuesday night. Bring a lawn chair. Uh, we'll have some food for you there. If you don't know the address, come up to me after service. I'll give you the address to my home. And if you didn't show up to any of the Life of Nehemiahs, do not show up that night, okay? Because this is just for the guys who went to the life of Nehemiah. But um, that one. And then one more thing. Uh, we have the Royal Family Kids Camp coming up. And this is a Monday through Friday event where you minister to foster children. And there are, I think at last count, I think there were 66,000 kids in California foster care. That's a lot. You know, Jesus' half-brother James writes, he said, uh, that we remember the orphans and the widows. The orphans and so this is a great opportunity to maybe find your call in life and to minister to this group of people that desperately need parent figures in their life because they are the cast off ones in our society so we need 15 more people it's a conglomeration of churches that come together to do this you can get information about that out of the connect center ask them about royal kids camp and they'll do that but today i want to talk about decisions uh, that defeat fear Fear is a very interesting thing, is it not? Fear paralyzes. Any amens on that? Fear can be quite irrational, can it? Man, you can get thoughts in your head that later on you're wondering, how in the world did I ever think that? Have you ever noticed that fear is a second guesser? You could have a great idea, know it's right, know it's God, but you'll second guess and second guess and second guess yourself until you talk yourself out of it. Any amens on that? And then go through life regretting that you never did what you knew you should have done. You ever notice that fear, and you, I, I go on and on, but I'll give you a few more. You ever notice that fear can cause all kinds of phobias in your life? And the phobias are designed 
to keep you from experiencing life. Have you ever noticed that fear, once it grips you in a relationship, that fear of losing people because maybe your heart was broken in the past, maybe somebody said they loved you and yet they cheated on you, and that, and what happens there is you can develop this, oh, well, a fortress takes place in your life where you're afraid that I can't get too close, I can't drop my guard too much because I'm afraid that you're going to do to me what they did to me. Fear can do that to a person's life. You could go on and on with fear. I think that Satan is very creative when it comes to fear. It's interesting to me that Paul, a New Testament writer, um, uh, he writes in a New Testament letter, 2 Timothy 1.7, he says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of, a, and of discipline. Now let me tell you what he's saying there. Because when he says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but in place of that he's given us power. The Greek word is dunamis, dynamite, miracle working power. Same idea you find in Acts chapter 1 of the power of the Spirit of God. They came upon the first believers and many believers since then, you just have to want it, ask God to baptize you in power, second experience of the Spirit, and you can walk in that same power, and it's something you can keep renewing. I find that in the book of Acts. And then he says, not only have I given you power, he says, but a power and love. Love, that word is agape. That's God's love. That's a love that, it's like a love feast, that God does kind things for you, because he's a good father that you are preferred, you're a preferred individual as a follower of Christ. And you know that as God loves you. So why would you walk in fear if you are preferred and God's doing good stuff for you? And then he says of discipline. And discipline literally means sound mind. It's a mind that is being corrected and restored to God's word and what God says because this word is truth. Well, Jim, how can you believe that that word is true? easy because the evidence is in both biblical people and historical people that Jesus really lived he really was crucified and the tomb really was empty and Jesus says himself in the New Testament gospel John chapter 17 sanctify them in your word father for your word this word is truth and he calls it true and if somebody rises from the dead like Jesus says this is true guess what I believe I believe it's true. Jesus also confirmed on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection that the Old Testament was true. He even spoke about events in the Old Testament like Jonah confirming that is true. And when he says it's true, guess what, guys? It's true. And so we have this truth, and we are to walk in this disciplined, sound mind that's been corrected and restored by the truth of God's Word. Satan's two greatest weapons are lies and you hear me say periodically, we all believe lies. And somebody's going to say, I don't believe any lies. And now you believe another lie, okay? We all believe lies, and lies lead to fear, and this is truth. And so we want to keep restoring and correcting our thinking according to the Word of God so we walk in the security of God. Any amens on that one right there? Now here's what I'm going to do today. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 3. 
And if you want to go there, go there now. We're going to look at one verse first, verse 19, in a second. I'm going to do a little dissecting there to give you an idea. Then we're going to do our key verse for the series and our tagline. Then we're going to go to three points from Proverbs 3, and we'll drive home that last point very hard, okay? So here you go. Look at Proverbs 3 and verse 19. Watch what the writer says. The Lord by wisdom. Now, wisdom means skill. Founded the earth. Founded means established. By understanding. Understanding means intellect, insight. <clears throat> established, the, he established the heavens. So now the writer is telling us something that Genesis chapter 1 tells us and other places in scripture tell us. That the entire universe, everything that we see, all that God has created, he established it by his insight, by his intellect, and he founded it, and he established it, and it stays on course because of God. Now, why is that very important? Why is the writer saying this? Because in a few verses, as we'll see in point three, the writer is going to take us to an area of fear where we need not fear, and he's telling us something right here before we get to there. So I have some questions about this. Since God created it all by his intellect, his insight, he founded it all, he holds it together. Question, did any of you go to sleep last night thinking that the earth was going to go off course and sputter into the universe and we all be dead in a week because we freeze to death? Did anybody think that last night when you went to bed? Louder? Okay, good. So we're all sane people. Good. Okay. So far, so good. Did any of you go to bed last night and think that Venus would go off course and crash into the earth and we'd burst into a ball of fire and we'd all die. Anybody think that last night before bed? No, okay, good, good, good. Did anybody last night, when you went to bed, think that the moon would fall, drop from the sky and just only hit one piece and just hit your house like in the Wizard of Oz killing the Wicked Witch? Anybody think that? Nobody thought that? Okay, we're all good, right? Question. Why did you not think those things? You knew that God was on guard and holding everything together, correct? Correct? And so you went to bed and you were okay. You knew you were secure in God that no matter what happened, that you knew God was on guard in your life. Now, the writer is telling us this because this is one of the key things also, we won't revisit this, but it's a key thing in why we can walk securely in our life and not live in fear. That if God holds it all together, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what works and what doesn't work, no matter if I stay healthy or not, no matter if I lose people or not, God still has my life, does he not? I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not promising you a perfect life because nobody's going to have that. We're in a fallen world. Do you understand? We're in a fallen world. But you know what? If God, if I know God has my life together, I'm not going to walk in fear. I don't have to. What if I said there was a way, if there were, there were decisions that you and I could make on a daily basis that would defeat fear? Would you be interested? Would you be interested? Good, okay. Hold the thought. Let's put our key verse for the series up there. I'm going to have you all read it for me. One, two, three. The.
Now we've covered this three times, the fourth time basically. In decision making, the wise person, they look down the road. They can see that this decision is going to be a wise decision or a bad decision. And if they know it's going to be a bad decision, they're not going to make that, they're not going to go down that road because they're wise, which means shrewd in a good way. It's that, that literal Hebrew word there. But then he says the naive person, they just continue on and their life is destroyed. And naive basically means you get talked into anything. No matter what, yeah, okay, I'll just do that. You're not even looking down the road. And you walk into destruction. Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. For somebody in this room, you need God so much to rebuild your thinking so that people don't keep swaying you into whatever they think so you don't go down bad roads anymore. Amen to that one? God can do that in your life. You can actually develop great confidence in God and know what truth is versus a lie. Now, our tagline is this. Today's decision affect tomorrow's situation. One, two, three. Very, very true. Which means we have no one else to blame but ourselves for our predicaments. Because we made the decisions, multiple decisions, to be where we are at in life. We live now in a blame and victim culture, but God says, sorry, we don't play that game. You take responsibility for your own life and quit blaming other people. Any amens on that? And that's a fact. That's what, we, that's what God teaches in this, in this word. So that's a truth combating a lie in our society right now. Now, we're going to go through three things today. They're so simple. They're so simple. I feel funny even preaching them sometimes. But these things. But I know that we need the basics. We don't stumble in the deep things of scripture. We stumble in the basics. Do we not? So we're going to cover some basics. That will reduce and eliminate fear in your life. So number one in your notes out of Proverbs 3 is our daily decision is fill up on God's word. That is so simple. It is so simple, but we're going to see something in a second. Now watch chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, and it says this. My son, do not forget my teaching. And he's, Solomon's talking to his kid, the teaching God gave him, he's given to his boy. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. He begins by telling his son, very wise, don't forget the teaching, don't forget the commandments, and then he adds, put it in your heart. Now the word heart there is the idea of the mind, the will, the emotions, intellect, decision process, and your emotional nature. But the idea within that, it's the center of everything that you are. He's saying, my son, put God's teaching, put God's word at the core of who you are. Get it down deep. Let it be the foundation of your life. Okay. So about three weeks ago, sitting here teaching the ladies, life of Nehemiah. And I like to ask questions. I think it just provokes good discussion, makes people think. And I asked this question. I said, what are some ways that a Christian follower of Christ can sabotage their spiritual growth and development? Well, everybody raise your hand. Tell them I said hi, who's ever on the phone over there. It's, it's okay. 
Oh, this is going to be great. It's my friend. Oh, we'll talk about this for years. You don't know how happy I am right now. Oh, oh my gosh. Of all people. I won't say Dave's name, but anyway. <laughs> that was, I'm okay with this since it happened to you, man. So, I, I, where was I? This is so good. Um, but, um, <laughs> so I asked, what are, what are some ways that Christians can uh, sabotage their spiritual growth and development? They all gave great answers. One young gal said this. By not reading God's word, by not praying, and then she said, it's, it's hard for me to keep consistent in that. And then I told her, you're right. And then I added, you'd be shocked at how many Christians do not read the Bible. How many never open the Bible? You'd be shocked at how many of them maybe read it once a month and then they wonder why they struggle, wonder why their thinking's off. You'd be shocked. And I know this because of all the surveys. And I know this because for 41 plus years I've been talking to Christians and you could tell they just don't know basics in their Bible. You'd be shocked. So I was, I go to this coffee shop to study once a week. And I've been going for six years because I, on a certain morning of the week I go there because I can get lots more done in personal study because if I'm here, they're going to be asking me questions all the time. And, you know, staff, they just bug. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. And so I know everybody at this coffee shop. They know me, and I have my chair at the coffee. It's my chair. When I go in, there's a certain chair. It's my chair. And they all know it. And every so often, I walk in, and somebody's not a regular customer, and they're in my chair. So i got to work my way around praying to God that they will leave my chair. And God most of the time answers that prayer. And I get my chair. But I, I, know, I know them all there. Um, and so I know things about their life. They're all young kids, you know, college, college age types. And one young gal, I had gotten to know her too and found out that um, she suffers from panic attacks. Just She said it started when she was 15. And I thought, man because I've, I've never had one. I don't know what that feels like. I know some of you have had it. I've watched people with panic attacks. It's brutal. Um, and I asked more questions. She said, yeah, I have really trouble sleeping. And I went through certain programs, she said, and there's certain things that have helped a lot, she said. I, okay. And then about two, three weeks went by. And she had gone through a couple things where certain things went wrong in her life that's pushing her back a bit she wants to go to school for a certain trade but because of these setbacks she has to wait so that really pushes her buttons I, and I asked her I go did you sleep good last night she goes no I go why what's up she goes ah, I've just in my mind what happened she goes well I feel like I'm running out of time she's 19 <laughs> but that's her panic that's the fear because of what's just happened, the setbacks. And I looked at her, and now she turned 20 like two days ago. I said, you're 19. I said, her, and I won't say her name here. You're 19. You've got plenty of time. Deal with one setback, get that right, get the next setback in place, and then get on with your life. You're not, 
Trust me, you're still way young. You want to know what old looks like? Look here. I go, you got plenty of time. And she goes, yeah, I know. And then I said this. I asked it because I had heard her say before that she goes to church with her boyfriend to a certain church in town, good church in town. Not as good as New Beginnings, but a good church, you know. No, I'm joking. I said, do you ever write down verses of Scripture? And I always have my Bible open. I'm always studying. And I always have people come up and say, oh, I see you're reading the good book. And they say, yeah, I'm reading the good book. Do you read that? No, I don't say that. <laughs> and I said, do you ever write Scriptures down about peace and clarity of mind and just have those on little cards so you can read it and get that into your system on a regular basis? And she said, no. I said, you should. You really should. Because this Bible restores and it corrects thinking, gives you a disciplined, sound mind. She's not the exception. She's the rule. She's the rule. Guys, if we're going to overcome lies and fear of the enemy, then guess what? You've got to fill up on God's word every day. Now, I'm going to take this a little further and give you an explanation of what exactly I'm talking about so you don't condemn yourself by thinking you've got to do so much. I don't want to take you there. The second thing is this. Once you do everyday Phillips, then our mental decision comes next. Trust God's word over our own word. Amen? Now, I've got to trust God's word over my thoughts, my thinking. Now, watch verse 5 and verse 6 of Proverbs 3. Watch what the writer says. Trust in the Lord with, with all your heart, with all the cord, everything. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all, how much is all? All, all, it's everything. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. What a great promise, huh? That if I choose God's word over my thinking and follow that and live that and apply that, and lean on Him in all my ways and trust Him to correct, restore my thinking to walk in His ways, He'll make my path straight. It doesn't mean I won't have problems. It doesn't mean I won't have things go wrong in life, but my path will be straight because I'm walking with Him because I'll have a disciplined mind. Questions? Be honest. You're in church. Be honest. How many of you are good? I remember I used to be so good at this. I'm glad I'm not anymore. It took years. How many of you are really good or great at taking a somewhat bizarre, crazy thought and then building a whole case in your head that's not even real? Raise your hand. Come on, raise it up. I want to know all my friends out there. Raise them up. Raise them up. We're going to start some support groups for you right after service. Okay? This is a very common tactic of Satan, is it not? He'll take you on a merry-go-round on Mr. Toad's wild ride in your own head. I got another question. How many of you are terrible at your own self-talk, whether you verbally say it or you think it? You tell yourself some of the worst things or craziest stuff. Raise your hand. I want to hear it. Say, come on, raise it up high. Don't go like this. <laughs> okay, good. I want to see my friends out there, okay? All right. Yeah, so what are we doing? We're telling ourselves wrong things. 
We're thinking wrong things. And yet Paul, New Testament writer again, tells us, though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, meaning the old nature, but are divinely powerful through God for the destruction of fortresses. Destruction of fortresses is what he's saying right there. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Does that sound like warfare language? You better believe it because the battle is right here in our minds. We need to fill up on this daily so we can get corrective, restored thinking so that when lies come at us, and there are plenty of lies that come at us on a daily basis, plenty of untruths, we know what God says over what the world says or what anybody else says. Any amens on that one? Okay, let me, t- let me tell you something. But we do this wrong. Let me tell you one way we do it wrong. You say, okay, Jim, I'm going to do it. We go home, read 10 minutes every day for four days, and you go, well, nothing's changed. Wow, four days, stop, man. I didn't know when you put a seed in the ground, four days later, it's a full-grown tree. I, I guess I missed that memo. So my son, Nathan, takes me out to lunch for my birthday a couple months ago. <laughs> and I thought it was just because he wanted to buy me lunch. No, he wanted to talk to me. You know when your kids think they're smarter than you? Isn't that something? You guys, you guys who have little kids right now, enjoy it. And then we're having lunch and everything, and he says, Dad, um, I just want to tell you something. He says, um, you know, because he was worried about his mama, my wife, yeah, yeah, he forgot she's my wife. But, you know, this was a, two, three months after she got out of the hospital because COVID and that whole thing, and he's, he was concerned about it. He says, you know, Mom, you, you got to really pay attention to her. I'm thinking, what more do I need to do? I'm doing everything right now. But he's concerned. And then he says this about it. He says, Dad, you're not like us, meaning him and his siblings and mom. We go up and down emotionally. We, we get jerked back and forth by life. And then he says, but you're, you're like a freak of nature. <laughs> and then I thought, he just offended me. <laughs> he goes, you're a freak of nature because you don't go up and down. Things happen to you, bad things happen, you just keep plowing forward. It's almost like when things come against you, you plow forward even harder than before. You're a freak of nature, Dad. Before I disowned him, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> and I thought, I had to think about that statement. And then I, later on, I thought, that wasn't, that wasn't a put down. That was a compliment. Because what he's saying is, Dad, you're not a freak of nature. He says, you're just a freak. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Maybe I am, but... And I thought, I'm not a freak of nature. What he's really saying is, I'm a freak of the Spirit. That's what he's saying. But it's not by accident I'm a freak of the Spirit. It's not by osmosis. The reason why I can keep going, no matter what happened, I've had some bad things happen to me. Maybe not as bad as what's happened to you, but bad stuff in my life that lasted for years. But the reason I can keep going, stay level-headed, plow forward, 
It's not because of me, but it's be based on decisions I made. In two months, I will have been a follower of Christ for 42 years. And from the get-go, I have been a person that reads it, studies it, memorizes it, meditates on it, and apply it. And I've never slowed down. Ask my wife. You can ask my wife, ask my kids. I have never slowed down. And so what he's saying is he sees the results of that life. That I'm not going to get shaken by lies out there in the culture. Somebody comes and tells me something, something in me can discern right away that's not true. That's partially true. That's a lie though. Because I've been so saturated by this for almost 42 years that whenever something comes at me, I don't care who you are, what you are, Christian or not, I have an override button in me because down in my core, there's so much of this stuff in me that I can just say, no, that's not true. Or I'm not going to listen to that. And I'm not going to go, even though everybody around, oh, that's the right way to go. Sorry. But I can show you where that's not true. And, it, and it's not because I'm Superman at all. It's just because for 42 years, on a daily basis, I fill up on God's Word. Now let me tell you what I'm not telling you. I, in my life, yes, daily study, anywhere from two, sometimes up to seven hours a day. Jim, how do you do that? Well, part of it's my job. But I don't expect you to read it that much. I expect maybe two and a half hours a day. For, no, I don't expect that. I maybe read 15 minutes a day. Read 15 minutes a day. And don't read a translation from King James 1611 English that you're going, I don't even know what they're talking about. Read a modern translation. If you're going to embark on a Bible reading program, just stay in the New Testament and maybe Proverbs for the first couple of years. Just stay there and read it over and over again and find out who you serve and who you believe. And if you miss a day or two, don't sit there and say, well, that's it. I missed a day. I, I, I blew it. I'll never read the Bible again. I guarantee you if you miss a meal, you don't sit there and say, well, that's it, I'll never eat again. Because you guys look pretty good, okay? So don't believe the devil's lies. And please, when you read it, say, well, I'm not getting anything out of it when I read it. It's not helping. Can any of you tell me what you ate for dinner on, uh, on June 13th of 2005? No, you cannot. You do not remember. But I guarantee you are alive right now because you ate a meal. Amen? So you read God's word. You may think it's not helping. It is helping, my friends. And it's getting in there. Any amen on that? Amen. Jesus said this in John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, these words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Stop, stop. He says the word of God is spiritual. You and I on a daily basis, whether you choose to believe this or not, it's a fact. And all you have to do is look out in this world and you, you can't tell me there's not a literal devil and demons. You look at all the things going on and all the evil. You live in a world that, yes, is physical, but it's much spiritual. And devils and demons are spiritual. And here we have Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, spiritual. And there's a war. You cannot fight 
a spiritual battle with physical flesh like I don't want to believe that I don't want to think that you can't do that you must fight spirit with spirit the words are spirit and if you're going to win up here and get corrected and restored and walk in confidence and security you're going to battle spirit with spirit the devil comes at Jesus in the desert says all kinds of lies and Jesus says it is written he comes at him spirit with spirit my friends any amens on that okay good here we go last thing now this is you start doing this lifestyle living this thing third thing is this it's our desire disposition here's the result no fear no fear no fear now we're going to read verses 23 to 26 and it says this watch this watch your desired result then you will walk in your way securely sound good sound good and your foot will not stumble when you lie down you will not be afraid you like that I like it when you lie down your sleep will be sweet do not be afraid of sudden fear we'll get back to that nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being you start living this lifestyle and he says you're going to walk securely meaning you have no insecurity today you're not going to live in fear today he also says that you won't stumble because you'll be walking on a level place now let me tell you what it means really there's a lot of unlevel places in our life in this world right but we'll be level on the inside we'll stay level no matter what unlevel places we have to find ourselves walking in he adds you'll lie down and you'll sleep you're gonna sleep sweet sleep you know what that means your mind you close your eyes it's not gonna race into all kinds of worst case scenarios anyone know what I'm talking about you're not gonna live in but what if but what if but what if but what if you're not gonna go to sleep and think I'm overwhelmed I'm over we know you're not gonna do that anymore you're not going to go to sleep and think, will it always be like this, God? Will it always be like this? Is it ever going to change? And Satan's going, no, it's never going to change, never going to change. <laughs> You're not going to do that anymore. But here's what I love. And he says there'll be no sudden fear. You know, no fear of sudden fear. What does that even mean? I think there's two things there possibly. Have you ever, and we all have, please. But you, you, know, you ever have that time where you get a crazy thought in your head, out of the blue anybody and it just grips you and it's crazy right raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about and then all of a sudden it gives you, gives you fear that's a sudden fear out of the blue he says you don't want to be afraid of that and have you ever had a circumstance out of the blue bad news whatever it is something changed and all of a sudden boom it hits your life you ever had that everybody has we all have he says you won't even be walking fear there you'll have peace no matter what it is because he says in verse 26 because the Lord is my confidence you gotta think about this the word confidence it means that inner muscle part next to the kidneys it means the inner core remember we said in the beginning in the first two verses the heart 
It was the mind, will, and emotions at the center of who you are. He goes back to that. But he says, now the Lord is your core. The Lord is your center. So that no matter what comes your way, you're not shaken. You're not shaken. You don't walk in fear at all. Okay. So. There's this Old Testament Jewish scripture story. If you've been a Christian a while, you, you know the story. If you're newer to this, or first time in church, you may not know the story. So let me tell you a little bit. Moses and the gang, over two million people, have been traveling from Egypt through the desert, going to the promised land. It's been a couple months since they left, and now they're knocking on the door. Before they go in, Moses says, you know, we got to spy out the land. Got to get some strategy here. He sends 12 spies. They go spy out the land, see what it looks like, see what it's like. They come back. They're going to give a report. Caleb and Joshua, two of the 12, they say the land is flowing with milk and honey. Man, yeah, there's enemies there, but God says it's ours. By all means, we go take that land. Then the other 10 speak up. And filled with fear, they say out loud, and everyone hears it, yeah, it's a land flowing milk and honey. But there's giants there. We saw the Anakim. Anakim are descendants of the Nephilim, Genesis 6, the giants. I don't have time to explain that one. But it's a great teaching. He says, when we saw these giants in the land, we became like grasshoppers in their eyes. And we became like grasshoppers in our own eyes. In other words, we felt so small, they're just going to eat us up alive. They said, we can't take it. We can't do it. And this is now being passed to the whole assembly of two million people, Israelites, knocking on the door of the promised land. And everybody freaks out. And everybody starts saying, oh, Moses, you brought us here to kill us. We can't go in. Why'd you bring us here? God heard them crying, complaining, filled with fear. And guess what? Some of you may know this, some of you don't. Two months out of Egypt, and now because of this, God says, because you didn't believe, and now you're instigating everybody with fear, you're not going into the promised land. I have to wait now for a whole generation of you guys to die off because you don't have the faith to go in there that's why they spent 40 years guys just wandering that's the reason because they listened to 10 guys filled with fear instead of 2 guys filled with confidence and faith I had to think about this and here's what I feel like the spirit showed me and I never pieced these two together but I sure wrote it down as soon as I, God popped it in my head John, New Testament gospel guy, one of the 12 disciples who saw Jesus die and then resurrect. He's an eyewitness to the event. He writes in one, what's called an epistle in the New Testament, 1 John 4, 18, 19, somewhere in there. He says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. And then he says, for fear involves punishment. I love that line. You know why? Because when he says fear involves punishment, what he's saying is this. Fear says, 
something bad's going to happen. How many know what I'm talking about? We, some of us walk in this idea, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Oh, things are going good. Something bad's going to happen. If I go down the road, even though it looks right, it's God, something bad's going to happen. He says, fear involves punishment. But think back. He says, there's no fear in love. There's zero, zero fear in love. And that's agape love, which we started off with when Paul said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So I was thinking about that. No fear in love, no fear in love. So I had to go back to that story again. Those 12 spies, two said, let's go in, 10 said, no way. Did they all see the 10 miracles of God to deliver them from Egypt? Did they all see that? Say yes. Did they all see the Red Sea part and walk through the dried, um, dried up ground? Did they all see that? You better believe they did. Did they all see when Moses hit the rock and water came out? Did they all see manna coming down? Yep. Did they all see the quail come along when they said, give us meat to eat? Did they see that? Better believe they saw it all. But when crunch time came, when they come to that promised land, two of them said, I believe God. I've watched God do all these things. That tells me God loves me. That tells me I'm preferred. That tells me God's guarding me. God's taking sin. And if God says, it's my land, it's my land. But 10 guys said, it doesn't matter what I've seen. I don't think God loves me enough to take me in there and keep me safe. So we just camp out here. And they never made it in. Can you just finally settle it? And by the way, if you fill up on God's word, fill up on God's word all the time, you're going to begin to truly, truly believe down in your gut that God loves you. That he prefers you as a follower of Christ. That he wants to pour out his love upon you and do good things to you in your life. You're going to finally believe that. And you're not going to walk in fear anymore. I'll say it again. I said it twice last year or earlier. I don't know. But people asked me last year during COVID, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid? The answer, no, no, no. I'm not superhuman. I'm just a freak of the spirit. Well, Jim, you're, you're not being wise. I think I'm being spiritual. Jesus never told me to walk in fear. And I'm surely not going to empty out 41 years at that time of being filled up on this stuff for something somebody's going to tell me to be afraid. And Jesus already conquered death. I know where I'm going if something happens, so why am I going to be afraid? Here's the thing. And Noah, God says to Noah and the gang and the fam, get in the ark now. And God closes the door to the ark. And here comes the rain from above. And of course, if you know your Old Testament, the ground opens up and water comes from below. So water comes from two directions, flooding the earth. Noah's in that ark. And it's being cast this way, that way. It's all over the place. And Noah's inside with the family. Do you think they're inside that are going, oh no, what's going to happen? Do you think they're doing that? They're in there going, hey, you guys, you guys want to play some Uno or something like that? <laughs> they're secure. They're secure. Because they know God loves them. They know God's got them. They know it. 
See? Whatever the storms are, whatever comes at you, whatever the lies come in your head, whatever somebody says, when you're filled up with God's word and it so saturates in you and it's so in you that there's a, a default button. You always go back to this because your mind has been restored and corrected. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It really doesn't matter to me what anybody says. If it goes against this, if it's a half-truth, <laughs> sorry, I'm not going with you on that. I'm just not. I have found the truth and this is what sets free. And when you start filling up daily on this, there comes a moment that you're so saturated in it. It's so in your gut. Your confidence is God. Ain't nothing going to shake you. And you're not going to believe the lies that have hindered you and held you back in your life and kept you in check. And you'll be a freak of the Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. I'm done today. Holy Spirit, I know there's plenty of freaks of the Spirit out there. People that have studied this Word of God, read it and read it, and continue to read it. Because it's not us, it's you. It's getting you in us more and more of your truth. That we don't walk in fear. We just don't walk in fear. And all it takes is daily decisions to fill up on your word then to start to choose your word over our own thoughts with the result being no fear I pray for some of you here that you get down this road now so you can get to having good night's sleeps that you're not overwhelmed that you don't second guess all the time that you don't have panic about tomorrow that you're not living in what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. But your confidence is going to be in God. I pray for some of you that have been shaken so much this last year, whatever the situation was. That's telling you what the, what's in the core. That's telling you how much is in the core of who you are. How much of Jesus is in there? How much have you built up in there? Are you saturated in this stuff? In the truth of God's word? that no matter what, you will not stumble. You will not stumble. You will continue to walk with God because inside it's level ground. Now, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus, please pay close attention and don't play games. This life is a short span. Eternity is forever if you've never chosen to become a follower of Jesus Christ if you've never chosen to have him wash away your sins if you've never made the decision that he is God and what he says goes if you've never made the right decision for your eternity then today's the day whether you're in this room or watching me online or watching this later on in the week. If you'd like to place your trust, your life, in the hands of the Creator who holds it all together, the one who died for you on a cross because you're a sinner like I am, and it's only His blood 
sinless sacrifice that washes away sin. Today's your day. Or if you walked away, you backslid. It's time to come back. It's time to come back to Christ. So I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. If you'd like to place your faith in Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life, I want you to repeat this prayer with me out loud. Everyone here is going to say it with you. Those at home watching online, you say it. And all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus as you say it. And he will save you. You will be forgiven of your sins. The Spirit of God will come to live in you, dwell in you. You begin to read your Bible, start to follow Christ. So here we go. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me, die in my place for my sins so that I could die to sin and walk in new life. Thank you. Forgive me of my sins. I know I'm forgiven. Dwell in me, Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Now let me pray. I pray for anyone and everyone who said that prayer. That you begin to follow Christ. Get around Christians, they'll show you the way. First steps. Or else you can go online, NBCC, Narco, and you'll see first steps. Or you can go to the Connect Center, get some information for first steps. But walk with Christ now. Walk with Christ. Jesus, thank you for today, God. You're such a good God. Your word is so powerful and it is so true. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen and amen. Would you stand up with me, everybody? Stand up, would you? If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.